I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right, joining me today, I have Kathy and Robbie Hipwood out of Los Alamos High School. They um, have been cross-country and track head coaches, cross-country head coach since 1994 with uh, 24 combined state titles, 17 uh, runner-ups, and six third-place finishes, and have really put together, I mean, just a, a stellar program there. So thank you guys for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. So my first question, because you guys have have been in this for so long together, is how did you two meet? We met at Adams State. Um, We both, I grew up in Denver and Robbie in northern New Mexico, but we both went to Adams. And so we met there through running in our freshman year of college. We didn't start dating until four plus years later, but yeah, we've, we obviously knew each other from, um, our, the beginning of our tenure at Adam State. I always find that, you know, those connections, you know, whether it's just in the high school kids or, or later, you know, cause you're spending so much time <laughs> running with people and, and, and training, you know, you get very close with people very quickly through that. Right. And so, uh, you guys, you said you started dating about four years later, so that would have been towards the end of your time at Adam State, then, right? Yep, yep. We were, and both of us took a little longer than four years to finish for different reasons. I mean, it's sort of hard with you know running and and uh, academics, and Kathy in particular just took a ridiculous amount of classes. But <laughs> yes, we were both. Um, finishing up our degrees and and had some classes together and obviously had known each other. And so that's how it started. I think that fall you actually, you had been done and I was in my last season of, season of eligibility. eligibility. Yeah. And what were your degrees in? I, Kathy, I know you're um, still at the school. You're a, a PE teacher, correct? No, I'm I'm actually my area is math. Math, okay. Yeah. Um but as you said, I took a lot of credits and um I almost switched majors late and I I took as much physiology as I could. But I was it was for secondary education, you know, the math and secondary ed. Um but then I just got really interested in in physiology, so I took a lot of hours in that as well. And my degree was actually in business, um, business administration, thinking that, you know, I would just sort of follow that path in life. Um, But then afterwards, after college, I think the reality of, of what it would look like wasn't appealing anymore. And I think either between the influence of Kathy um, combined with the influence of my father, who was a longtime educator and loved his career, I decided to get certified to teach. And and um, so that started that journey. And so where did that journey take you guys? Did it take you to Los Alamos right away or, or was there another stop or two in between? Well, I actually coached at Alamosa High School for... Um, a year. Um, when we, <laughs> our journey's kind of funny. When we got married, we we moved to Bellingham, Washington, um, for a very brief amount of time, and we were going to help at Western Washington, um, just volunteer. But when we got up there, we discovered that they had dropped their business education program over the summer, and housing was impossible to find, and. We were sleeping on the floor of the coach there. He was really generous. Um, and we just ended up turning around and coming back. Um, Robbie called Adam State and they were like, we can get you through in um, a year. So he took, we went back to Alamosa 
kind of with our tails between our legs. But he took like over 50 hours to get his teaching certification. And I coached at Alamosa High School and I substitute ta and I worked at um, a business office of a health clinic and waitress and did all kinds of things. And we had a goal to only be there for another year. And so that was my first experience. And I actually had helped a year at Adams too. I went to Fort Collins for a year after college for graduate school in exercise physiology. And I didn't end up finishing out that program and and went back to Alamosa. And part of it was our relationship. Um, And part of it was just other life things. But And that year I actually helped volunteer help at Adams State as well. So I actually went into coaching first and and really did love it right off. Um, And then, like he said, I think when we were forming our lives together and it seemed like it just made sense if he was going to teach and then we both got into coaching. And so then as far as my first teaching job that I got was at Santa Fe High School and he student taught while I was teaching, but we, I was only half time. And so we actually moved back to Los Alamos and lived with his parents for a few years. And then it just kind of took off from there. The, the position opened at Los Alamos and he actually got a job teaching at Los Alamos high school before me. And then the following fall, I got on at Los Alamos high school and then a year, two, then we helped as assistants for a couple of years. And then in 94, that's, that's when we started. Um, we took over the program together. Wow. That is quite a journey okay? that, uh, <laughs> going back and forth. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I want to go back to what you were saying, Kathy, about, you know, taking kind of an assistant role there at, at Adams State. What was that like working with, because that was Jovi Hill at the time, right? No, it was actually um, Damon Martin already. Oh, okay. My last year of eligibility, actually my last two years, he was there um, as a graduate assistant. But then my last year, he actually stepped down and focused on his own running again for a bit, but he still kind of advised and so forth. Um, and so I already knew Damon. And so it was, yeah, it was just working, helping him, helping the girls. Or was and it at that time? And at that time, Damon was the, the women's coach and Coach Veal was still coaching the men. Okay. Um, yeah. I was never sure how that, that overlapped, but I mean, that's, that's still, I mean, Coach V Hill obviously is a legend and, and Coach Martin is I mean, he has continued that tradition in, in keeping that program pretty um pretty well stocked with talent. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. And as Kathy had mentioned when she was doing her undergraduate work, I mean she well, we both took all of Coach V Hill's physiology classes and kinesiology and um certainly Coach V Hill and even Damon, even though we're the same age, they were, they've been both huge contributors to our our coaching. As much impact as probably anyone. Well, and that's kind of what I was gonna ask about. That I mean, having that that early exposure to them must have you know helped influence at least some of what you um, have instilled there in Los Alamos over the years. Yeah, absolutely. Especially early on, I think the. I mean, anybody that really knows Coach V Hill, it's his, it's his motivational and kind of his whole philosophies of life and just work ethic and, and all of that. And we, that's probably the part we took with us the most. I mean, our training was definitely influenced by that, but I think, you know, we kind of quickly started modifying things to fit our situation in the high school level and stuff, but always an influence there. But I would say the philosophical parts of it, um, huge influence. And then Damon became just an amazing resource for us. We stayed close with him for a long time and 
would contact him. And and I always think one thing that always stood out to me from Coach V. Hill is that he would use the term, I'm an eclectic coach. And, you know, he was the, or he still is the ultimate learner in a sense. And, you know, he's in his 90s and he's still on a regular basis is reading, you know, the latest science about training athletes. And, you know, we can't even begin to compare ourselves to Coach Vigil, but I think the philosophy that we needed to continue to learn really sort of drove us through our coaching career and trying to figure out a better way to to help our kids because that's sort of what he modeled um, throughout his career is that he wanted to be the best he could be and he felt this you know immense responsibility to the people that he coached and and so that's sort of in a much simpler way, we adopted that same attitude and, and felt that same ownership to our program that we wanted to do right by kids. And, and, um, over years, it has been this accumulation of information that we've gathered from many great people in our sport, but we've always tried to personalize it to our situation, you know, you know, 7,200 feet, you know, altitude, you know, a, a school with high academics and um, and just see what works for us and what doesn't. Yeah, that, that makes absolute sense. And I, 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 again, Coach V Hill is just, you know, he's, he's that legend. And I've heard of that in, in other interviews that people have had of people who he's, you know, still training or has trained that his, his love of that knowledge has not waned and, and he is still... <laughs> probably forgotten more than I will ever learn about running. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Oh, he's, uh, yeah, he's just brilliant. Yeah. And, and so, you know, going back forward, you guys got on together in Los Alamos and, you know, had some coaching experience, were able to, to help out and be some uh, um, assistance before taking over the program. What was the program kind of like, you know, while you were assistants and, and before you took over? I'm going to go back even before we got there. When I was in high school, Larry Jeffries was the, the coach. And he actually was a grew up in Alamosa. He was a sprinter, went to Adams State. He even coached the team in the early 70s when Coach Vigil was on a sabbatical. It was actually the first ever national championship for Adams. And, you know, he was following what coach wanted him to do in his absence, but he was, you know, a fantastic high school coach. And um, I feel fortunate that, you know, I had excellent you know, mentors in my life as a young runner, you know, even my experiences in Las Vegas with George and Leroy Chavez and then right. Larry Jeffrey. So Larry had some quite a bit of success in the, in the eighties. He won a couple of girls state championships and he didn't win one with the boys, but he had a, a number of runner up finishes to the, the early dynasty of, of Gallup high school. Um, and then he left and I think there was a little bit of um, inconsistency at, at the high school. And then the coach before us, he did a fantastic job of, of building up numbers. Um, but from a philosophical training standpoint, we were very much on, on different pages. Um, but we were also, I think really loyal assistants and we felt like it wasn't our business to, um, to undermine him. And, and we certainly offered what we thought would some suggestions, but we, you know, we weren't necessarily on the same page. And so when he left, you know, we started to implement what we had. And, and I, I would say we probably lost some numbers initially just because, you know, you know, certain expectations just were different. And it wasn't that what he was doing was wrong by any means, um, but it was just a different philosophy. Right. And he had, he saw success with the girls program. Um, uh, one of the years that we helped the girls won state yeah. and 
Um, but the boys program was not good at all at that point. Um, and, and for our first few years, um, the boys continued to struggle. Maybe how many I can, I don't remember exactly. Three years, maybe. Um, but we started pushing them a lot more and getting them to run more, but they still just, they never, they hadn't yet experienced that mindset of success. And, and so, you know, that's a hard transition to, to get that, you know, success breeds success and getting people in that place. But then we had this great group of boys that we, we had a blast with and we loved them and great relationship. But we went to state and, and our girls, the girls continued to be successful. But our boys, I think, finished 11th at Gallup. And like, you know, it was ugly. <laughs> on the bus ride home, one of them just came up and said, what do we have to do? And and that was a turning point. And, and we just said, you have to run a lot more. And they said, okay. And um, the next year they bought in. I'm getting chills talking about it just because they came from nothing, you know, and they were so willing. And the next year they bought in, ran in the summer, and, and they ended up second at state the next year. And from then on, our boys have been really strong. So it, it's just that it's such the mental piece is such a huge factor. Yeah, I think our first three years with the boys, our, our place at state actually got worse. I think we went from, you know, like seventh to ninth to 11th. <laughs> and and it was, again, just changing that culture. And, and again, the, it wasn't, it was just previously they were running such low mileage. And that's that was the main fi- philosophical difference we had. And that we just felt like both the boys and girls could be challenged more. And, um, and it was just, you know, the girls, they didn't need a significant increase to see more success to where the boys, I mean, it was what they needed was, you know, basically doubling what they were doing before. And, and it took a while to get them to buy into it. They were great boys and, and easy to work with, but it was just hard for them to understand that that's what it was going to take to compete with the best teams in, in our state. Absolutely. I think, you know, that buy-in can be so hard when, when switching over a coach for sure. And, you know, it's, um, I don't want to say you have to weed out some, but you're, you're definitely, you know, bringing in those kids and, and teaching them from that ninth grade year okay, this is what we expect, this is what we're doing. And it can be a lot harder when you've got that junior or senior who is already got something else in mind and they're trying and, and trying to kind of, you know, fit them back into your mold. I, I can completely get that. And I think, and you nailed it. That's exactly the challenge that it, that it is for, for any coach. You know, one thing you guys mentioned there that the the previous coach before you guys was really good at, at building those numbers. And, you know, I, I will say, I mean, I, I was running, you know, at that time that you guys were taking over and that when and my school in Los Alamos were in the same district. We talked about this, you know, beforehand, but that was always one of the big things. I mean, we'd come on one bus with both our girls and boys, and it always seemed like Los Alamos had three or four buses between all the kids you had running. <laughs> and it, I think there were times when there were three buses. Yeah. I, um, I, I will say, I mean, it, for, for an outside school, I mean, it was definitely, you know, a, a small, I don't want to say small school. We just didn't have the numbers running. It could be intimidating. And, and, yeah. you know, how did you guys, like you said, your numbers did kind of dwindle, but how did you, you know, continue to build those numbers to the point where, I mean, Los Alamos is still, you guys have a large team and you have a lot of kids who are excited to be there and, and to buy into the program. I don't think our numbers ever dropped. Like I would say his, his teams were in the little over hundreds, like 110. I remember that number being, and then ours maybe dropped down to 70 to 80. Um, so it was still a good number. 
and and with those 70 to 80 and and us just trying to change the culture a little bit and and what cross country was about it just kind of continued honestly so we we definitely benefited from there being an interest but um also just you know los alamos is is pretty well suited for runners and a runner's mentality and you know the geography we have and so and i think also even the the family support or value of, of extra cricket or almost the expectation that the whether it's music or athletics or or the arts and so i think the families um, want to see those opportunities and they try to steer their kids into trying something, you know, find something that you're passionate about, you know, in addition to, to your education or something. I will say though, in I, the, I mean, I hate to say this, we, we did it for so long together that the years kind of blend together. But um, there was a point I, now that I remember that we just felt like maybe we weren't getting some of the same quality. Um, and at one point I remember having just eight returning girls with the number of senior girls that we had and feeling like, Oh my gosh, we have to make a change. And that's when we started the middle school program. And that was hugely successful and, and so impactful for the high school. Um, besides just being a really great option for middle school kids, but our first middle school coach, um, Jesse Taylor, he, he was, he was fabulous. And he actually ran for Adams for a few years and ended up transferring to the master's college in California, but he was a strong steeplechaser, but he was, he, he was the perfect person to start the middle school program. He just had the great balance of, of being super kind, but also, expectations in a way that motivated kids. And so, um, gosh, how many years has the middle school program been? When did Jesse do that? We'd have to look back to see, I think we've had it probably for 15 years. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. That's it. Yeah. And Jesse was also a a Los Alamos graduate. He was, he's younger than we are, but he was one that ran for, Larry Jeffries during those, you know, really strong uh, late 80 or mid to late 80 years with um, when they were competing with, with Gallup. Wow. We're competing against Gallup at a high level. Yeah. And, and really since then, that's, it's been an important piece, but I mean, they, it's been really solid coaches. And so we aren't probably as involved as we should be. Just everybody gets so busy, but the coaches, have all been really good after Jesse, the, the Skidmores took over Brad Skidmore and Jet Skidmore did it for a while. Um, and, and they were, they were awesome too. you know, each one a little bit different, but, um, and then Kay Ulrich and, and Lindsay Montoya did it for, um, a few years and then Kay's still there and Adrian Hetrick is helping another girl's co-head. So. Yeah. Absolutely. It's been a, a critical part, yeah. I think, to just maintaining numbers and and uh, kids being exposed to running before they get to us and having some base behind them too and understanding right what I mean, it's about. And- I, I think that's you know so important, and you know here in Albuquerque, at least, you know through the APS schools, um, you know the the private schools like. Albuquerque Academy are a little bit different, but, you know, there isn't a cross-country program at most of the um, the middle schools. And then because of districting, we're so separate. And so, you know, you don't have that same relationship with, with a middle school. But I even remember when I was, you know, started running, you know, I was in middle school and we didn't have a cross country program. You just, we, I ran with the, with the high schoolers. I was just on C team, which <laughs> that in itself was a little intimidating. So, um, 
you know, that connection with, with the middle school and, and knowing kind of the kids that you have coming up and being able to have that connection, you know, a lot of these other uh, schools outside of Albuquerque, I think that's a huge advantage for sure. Yeah. And we, prior to that, eighth graders did come up and run with us. And so that was a shift. Um, and, you know, every change comes with some people being disappointed. So, you know, some kids that had been looking forward to running up, that was disappointing to them. But over, you know, within a few years, just that changes and, and it was fine. And we've still had some eighth graders move up for sure. But the bulk of them, you know, just participate with their middle school. The The other thing that we implemented, um, and I mean, it was twofold, kind of just a, a community to make the homie a really cool event um, and introduce younger kids to running and stuff. But it's turned into this just awesome thing. But we have the elementary mile at our home cross country race. And it's just awesome. Like that's like parking's always an issue because there's so many parents there watching their elementary and it it's just so cool to watch. And so um, there's usually anywhere from, well, if the weather's really bad, numbers are usually around 70 something, but there's been years where it's been like 150 elementary kids um, running and they just do one small loop on our home course. And um and so and that was kind of like well this will introduce some kids to to the sport as well and i don't know that it's necessarily transferred to those kids going on and running but um but it's definitely been like a kind of a community thing each year and people are appreciative and it's it's really it's really fun to watch and see i i mean like you said i don't know if you can point to numbers but I love that idea. I think that's fantastic. I, I just, that is, that is amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been a huge success. And we put it sort of in the middle of the meet so that when the kids get there, they get to watch, make one of the JV races um, finish or, you know, watch a, a race. And then depending on how long they linger, they, they, you know, they might get to see part of another race. So, you know, you know, obviously we're a little, you know, a little greedy in terms of that we're hoping that we get something out of it with our efforts, but, um, and we want to expose them to the sport. And um, it's just a great setting to at our golf course. There's, you know, there's a lot of people there. So during their race alone, it just, you know, the course is just packed, you know, and most of it's parents, but I think the kids get this feeling like it's this, you know, big event. So it's, it's fun and and it's comical at the same time. (laughs) There's always the, you know, the sprint to the front. That's the last thing that they're told every year. Don't go out too hard. (laughs) It's really awesome. And then actually something that's, oh, it's just so awesome. At our end of season banquet, um, one of our assistant coaches, Blake Wood, you probably know of him. He's an ultra runner and his, his daughters ran for us and just, just an amazing person and and friend and but he he's a photographer too and so he always takes pictures but at the end of the year at the banquet we have a slideshow you know like a lot of teams do but he has pictures of when the kids ran the elementary a lot of times when they ran the elementary mile that are put in the slideshow and it's just like oh my gosh it's just amazing that is an extra awesome connection that is so cool yeah Oh, so, um, wow. Yeah. Sorry. That I just, I find that so amazing, but going back, um, in, into the, you know, the program and, and talking about that, that mileage, you know, build up when you first started at what else, you know, did you kind of have to change, you know, you talked about that kind of over the summer. So were the kids not really meeting over the summer prior to that, or was it just a lot less? I don't know that they were even meeting. When we started summer practices, we did once a week um, up at our ski hill for a long run. What we called still even what we call a long run, you know, for some kids, it's not really a long run, but it's their longest run, you know. Um, 
And that's when we started summer practices. And so, yeah, it, it the whole idea of year-round running wasn't really a cultural thing here, I guess. And that, and that's kind of what I was going to, my next question, kind of building that from taking that mileage over the summer and, and now you're kind of building all through the summer and, and all the way now through track, really. Yeah. And so how, how, um, I, I, I don't want to say how difficult, but how much work was that to kind of, you know, put into place? At the time, I mean, it was a little different. The girls... Partially the the girls that we had initially had a strong work ethic and were sort of mentally tough and they sort of adapted to it. And again, they didn't need such a significant noticeable increase in their running. And so I think that's why we were able to have, you know, maybe more immediate success with the girls. And, And like Kathy said, it was really about a three year transition for the boys um and then for the most part since then it's we've been able to just maintain that um there might be some slight fluctuations to where you get a group that maybe isn't as dedicated as as maybe a previous group but for the most part we've been very fortunate since that time that the kids sort of there's enough kids that buy into that idea of of hard work is going to equal success. That makes sense. Yeah, I think it was just, and early on it was all about let's just getting them to run more. But um, over the years, I mean, that's changed, obviously. Um, different elements year round, you know, but early on it was truly like, let's just get them running more. So. What's changed in you know, all the years that you guys have been coaching, you know, whether if it's in your own coaching or, or what you've noticed with the kids? Um, I would say a big change that has, and I, I don't, I don't think it's just here. I think a lot of people would probably say the same thing is kind of the culture of stress. Like early on school, School was important to the kids, but it just wasn't so hardcore. They just, kids weren't as stressed out, I don't think, as they are now. Um, And that, unfortunately, I I don't know if it's going to get better. I think that's a piece that's um, just the demands. And then, obviously, technology and how social media plays into it and the whole culture of of stress, I, I think that's the biggest change um, that I I would note for as long as we've been doing this. And it's impacted. Like I, I think obviously any stressor impacts the ability to handle training. So and girls, I mean, maybe this is too generalizing, but um, I do think girls tend to be a little bit more perfectionist. And so it's always keeping a close eye on, on that piece and making sure they're staying healthy. Yeah, I, I get that. And I, I think that you're spot on you know, with that stress, um, I think there's, because everything's out there, right? Like you're talking about the, you know, the social media, every, you can go out there and you can look at everything and compare yourself to somebody on the other side of the country. And it, it is completely different to, uh, you know, most of us grew up with, you know, we didn't have that. And so there's always something kind of that that's that's weighing on you whether you're aware of it or not um right I, I, it, it, was, it was more pure before um but that's not something that we can change so you know it's just something we have to adapt to but also in addition to that just academic stressors i think have gotten 
more and more demanding. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with, um, no child left behind and, and just increasing requirements and hours in school. And, but I could go off on a bit of a tangent here, so I won't. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was almost about ready to go with you. <laughs> uh, I, I, so we'll go back for a second there and, and kind of talk about that social media and, and comparing. Strava is um, is a fun little tool, but you know, I know I, I know I find myself, even just myself, and 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 also with my kids, having to tell them like, this doesn't show you everything. You can't be comparing yourself, you know, to what each of these, you know, kids are doing. Um, have you guys had to find yourselves, you know, having conversations around, you know, following other athletes? on on those apps like that um yes increasingly so um i i have very mixed feelings about it like it's cool to see but i like you said it doesn't tell the whole story like you see how far somebody ran and how fast they ran but you have no idea how did they look on that run and and were they pushing too hard or were they trying to compete with somebody else when they shouldn't have been or, you know? Um, so yeah, trying to find that balance. And I mean, I guess I recognize I'm a bit old school. Um, I kind of appreciate a more pure thing. And I, I really observe and I feel like I can, I have an eye for observing when somebody's just a little bit off. And that's way more important to me than, than what the numbers on Strava or whatever show. And I think too, the, the idea of the kids, especially young kids not understanding sort of the big picture of the, the whole training plan. And one girl on our team this winter, who is very, very coachable, we were doing a workout that was, you know, medium, hard difficulty and asked her afterwards how she felt. And she said, she felt, I, she goes, I feel okay. And she goes, I think I, I, I chased too many segments on a run yesterday. And, and that's, I think one of the real negative things that we would see like her and, and she was able to put two and two together, but understanding that, you know, the day before needed to be just a normal run. And instead, you know, she made it into a, a fart lake run to chase a, a segment. And, and, and that's, that's going to be sort of the, I think the next or is the next obstacle for, for coaches and, and athletes is to balance um, what Strava brings with, with not overtraining and um, or training hard at the wrong time. So. Yeah, I think it's um yeah it's an interesting age and i i know that every coach is kind of dealing with it in in different ways uh, some more extreme and some less but it is um yeah it's not going away so <laughs> right right uh, you know i want to go back to you know something you both kind of mentioned you know in there and and talking to to the runner and, and how they felt in that workout. And, you know, Kathy, you saying that you, you know, noticing you can really have an eye for when a runner's off. I mean, we know as coaches that those, that relationship with, with our runners is so important, but, you know, what do you guys do to kind of, I guess, build that relationship with so many when you do have such a large group that you're, that you're working with? That's actually a really great question because I would say that is one of the nice things that's come out of COVID with having to work in pods um, and overall numbers being smaller. Like right now, there's 15 girls that are going to be racing this Saturday. And, you know, the masks play into it. I, I'm I'm confident that next fall we'll we'll get kids out again. But I think all the coaches that have been involved this year also see that, my gosh, there's been some really great interpersonal interactions. So 
I, when it's really big numbers, I also think that's one of the things that's always was really nice about track is that you're working with a little bit smaller group, still of wide variety of ability, but um, you just get a little bit closer, you know, when it's smaller um, and develop those relationships and understanding. But when it is a big group, um, I don't know if anybody, I don't know if I have the answer to that. I, one small technique that, that we've done for years is have them put rate themselves on how they felt each day um, after they run and from one to 10 and, and just, and obviously, you know, we recognize that that number is not completely accurate all the time. I think the girls probably tend to pad it a little bit, <laughs> um, but it definitely like keeps an overall view. It helps like just, recognizing if somebody's not like if something's happening to where their numbers are, you know, staying low or they have a few bad days. And and so it's, you know, to have more of a conversation, but I think just in general, just trying to say something to every kid as often as you can. I know that there are coaches that are masterful of that, even when they have huge teams. And and I don't know that that's something that we necessarily have. I mean, ours, our approach has been, you know, group meetings and stuff, but then trying the best we can um, to talk individually. We give a lot of thought to everybody, but I don't know. I guess that's probably one area that, that, we could have always done a little bit better. It's always that time thing too, you know, yeah. between the everything that you're having to do before and then you do the workout and then you, you know, what's happening after the workout and then, you know, trying to keep those practices to, you know, a certain time frame because you know that these kids have, you know, homework, they need to get home, eat dinner and do homework. And so it is, that's, it's always been a challenge. I think we, um, we just try to, reach as many kids on a daily basis as we can. And, and we're fortunate that we've always had a, you know, a large number of assistant coaches that, that, that do the same thing. And so sometimes it's one of the other coaches that'll approach us and say, Hey, I noticed this, or I had this conversation with so-and-so and, and then, you know, maybe we'll try to then follow up the next day. But in talking about your assistance, you know, Obviously, that's really important, like you said, with the program, being able to have those extra eyes and, and have other people there to make sure those kids are getting some of that individual attention when um, when you're maybe with a, with a different group. You talked about earlier about as an assistant, you just felt like you had to go with the program. How much autonomy do you guys give your assistants? Um, Rob, I know right now you're, you know, assisting with Kathy, but, you know, in, in years past. Probably not enough, honestly, um, and not because we didn't trust, but just the organizational piece, like the case where it's just like almost easier just to do it yourself, you know, but more recent in recent years, we would have, we would break them up into groups. Um, like there's, we go to this park called Urban Park to do a lot of like 5k pace or maybe two mile pace stuff um, with kids grouped up by ability to run together. And then each coach would work with a group and in just any of those, those scenarios. Um, I think just the nature of, of all those years that we were co-coaching that so yeah. much was discussed and would go back and forth before we were ever with the other coaches that, you know, we always, not really a regret, but we always felt like we weren't very good at delegating. You know, we have wonderful people and um, we were all on the same page in terms of kids. But yeah, that was probably something if we could go back, we could have been more efficient, you know, use the the great resources we had maybe a little bit better. Um, I mean, we have many, you know, just wonderful memories of, you know, the camaraderie between the coaches and, and it, you know, it's those that have that are no longer doing it, you know, when we see them, it's still just this instant 
smiles and laughter and, and great memories and a big um, family. Yeah, we really were. It was just yeah, just it. It was a wonder. We've had many many wonderful assistants over the years, and and most have come along through most, but not all through parenting. But it was really. Um, I don't think a single one of them ever stopped being involved in the program when their kids graduated. Um, and it really was a testament to their genuineness about being involved. You know, they just, they wanted, you know, they were passionate about or are passionate about the sport and, and just wanted to be involved, um, more than just as a parent. And, um, and the good thing is they were always on the same page of what, of you know, that what Kathy and I wanted to do, you know, they, they, um, they wanted their kids in a sense to say, you know, the Hipwoods are your coach. I, I am your, you know, I'm a coach in the program, but you know, I'm here in another context. And, um, so it was, it was wonderful and, and we feel very fortunate. And like Blake, you know, his last daughter probably graduated in 2007 and, you know, 14 years later, he's still, um, involved with both programs as much as he can. And this year with COVID, it's been completely separate, boys and girls, with Stephen working with the boys. And, and it just worked out on people's schedules, and it's just sort of stuck. But Blake has worked with the boys, and some of our other assistants that worked with us for a long time have worked with the boys. And then there's been a group of coaches that have we've been with the girls all year. Christy Kelly is another one that's been involved with us for um, two decades. And, you know, she did have a daughter that ran in the program, but she started coaching, I think before Marin was born and Marin graduated a couple years ago and, and Christy's going strong. And, um, she's also the high jump coach in track, but so we've been very blessed. And that is pretty amazing. And just to be able to have that kind of continuity, just not only with you two, but, but to be able to have those people that have been in and out of the program like that, I mean, that definitely helps with the program. Like you said, maybe you didn't give them as much um, autonomy as, as you could have, but the fact that they have been there so long that they're they're on the same page as you is, is pretty amazing. Yep. You guys have had quite a bit of success um, like I talked about in the intro, I mean, multiple cross country state titles, runners up, third place finishes. You've had individual runners that have that have won. Um, I think I saw that you. I think the girls finished up the like national ranking second one year, um, and the boys were, I think, runner up at the Nike Team Nationals. Again, that's a lot of accomplishments, but I mean, what really sticks out to you guys as far as what you've accomplished there at Los Alamos? <laughs> We're kind of, I don't, it's hard <laughs> to define. Um, I think the first word that comes to my mind is relationships. And of course, you know, we're super competitive and we have very fortunate for a lot of long-term success but ultimately I think it's been about you know dozens and dozens of relationships and and seeing kids stick with something and and have success and again that success may have never been as you know a state championship team or or a all-state medal I think but seeing the journey and um, and even in, and not necessarily even a varsity level kid, I think that's, that's a, obviously a big part of, of what we do and, and is incredibly rewarding. I think what I would add to that is the very, very special groups of kids that kind of decide together that they absolutely want to be the best that they can be and, and buy in together. I mean, we've coached so many amazing kids over the years, but there have been a few really, really special groups. And one of them is definitely that group of boys that ended up second in the nation. And, and, and just what, just how much they gave of themselves and the love that they had for each other and 
our relationship with them, um, the group of girls that, that did perfect score and, and just when it, when it really clicks in the synergy, um, Sean Reardon's group of 2000, I say his group because he was really the team leader, um, 2012 group that decided they wanted to go to nationals and, and talked to us in May and said, what, what do we have to do? And is it realistic? And, and we said, we think it is. And, and, you know, how they bought in and that seven boys, man, they were so in sync and they, they were great, but they ended up tied for third at regionals and did not get an at-large bid. And they were crushed. We were all crushed. It wasn't a good day for them. And so that was hard to swallow, but, um, but just when it clicks, when, when there's kids that are so willing to give so much and, and give their hearts to it. Um, in that group, had I think they were, I don't know, maybe 17th or at best the year before in the region. So it wasn't that this was a team that had finished eighth in the region and thought that, you know, nationals was a, was a realistic goal. They, I think just, Sean and and maybe a couple others just realized that they had some talent and they felt like they had a work ethic. And so it was literally uh, a day that they asked us to meet after a practice. And and that's when they shared what their goal was. And it was, and again, so those kind of journeys that even though they fell short, will, you know, are memories that will last a lifetime and then say so much about, you know, their character. I think those are great answers and, and really, you know, in your voice and describing it, I mean, you can hear the, the love of the, <laughs> of all of that in, in, in you guys and, and how much you appreciated, you know, those teams and, and what they did and, and not just them. I can hear you hesitating to, to even like, well, how oh, I should mention this person or that person, because there has been so many and, and going back to those relationships and, I just, you know, that's, that speaks a lot to your coaching and, and that's amazing. And and that's the thing there's, you know, you can, I mean, you could pick apart any little era and of boys that maybe never were in a regional standpoint, they wouldn't, they didn't stand out, but you know, what they did, you know, in, in 4A New Mexico was just, you know, remarkable and, and how, how much we got to witness their improvement. And, um, Steven actually, you know, when Kathy talked about those boys that were sec- second, Stephen, back in the fall, I think fall or summer, you know, the boys, you know, won state in 2019. But Stephen felt like there's a culture that's maybe just a little missing, like getting these boys to take a, an extra sort of step in. And so Stephen asked us, do you guys, you know, he goes, do you guys have that contact information from those boys of the 2017 that was second and we said yeah we do and so we reached out to him and and steven organized a zoom with these and all seven boys were able to make it and and like we said you know this is it was 13 years and they're most of them are still in contact but it was just amazing to hear them um we were literally we were choked up like the entire time um (laughs) And like Kathy said, that just the bond that they had and 13 years later, hearing them describe, you know, their journey was just unbelievable. And, and so it's those moments, I think, that that make, make coaching just, you know, in some ways the most incredible thing you can do or experience as a I absolutely. And I guess on that note, Rob, I, you know, you, you did, you, you guys have mentioned that, you know, Stephen Matoya has taken over on, on the boys side. What I guess led to your decision into deciding that um, you wanted to kind of take a step back. It just felt like it was time. Um, coaching. We've all, you know, I think a coach Vigil influence that, you know, if you're doing something 
you know, you want to do it well. And, and, you know, Kathy and I for as coach coaches, as co-head coaches together, you know, for 25 years, you know, we put our, our heart and soul into it. And, and all of a sudden at the very end for me, I just didn't feel like I could give, give it the energy that it deserved and that sort of the responsibility as a coach. And so, uh, um, I just felt like it was time and, and sort of leading into that, there was a transition to where, um, maybe our tasks between Kathy and myself were different, but it was 50, 50, you know? Um, and then the, maybe the last five years, it just felt like she was taking on more responsibility and doing more. And so that was sort of a sign as well for me that maybe it was time for me to, to step away, you know? she was probably doing 65% of the work and I was doing 35%. And so, it, you know, it's not something I regret at all. I, it, I, like I said, it just, it was, it was, it was time. And, and I haven't regretted my decision and, and I very much enjoyed um, being an assistant the last couple seasons. And so I'm, I'm content with what I've experienced. And I think that's a, that's a great answer. And, and, you know, I, I can't imagine, I mean, I mean, like you said, you knew it was time, but I'm sure it was not an easy decision, but you know, it's, it's nice that you're able to still, you know, obviously be there with Kathy and be an assistant and, and be around, you know, that, that kids, those kids just not quite, you know, with the same pressure as well. Because you guys have kind of had this ability to grow this program, kind of build it a little bit, um, like you said, a little bit easier with the girls, you know, what advice would you give to, to any coach who's, you know, right now we're all going to be in the same position. We're all going to be kind of building our programs up again because of, you know, uh, the numbers across the board are, are going to be down. And so next year is, you know, hopefully going to be different. What advice would you give to, to coaches going into this summer and into next year to kind of, um, reset I guess that's a really good question as well and I think I think it's a little bit getting back to basics um our middle school did still have cross country in the fall even though we didn't end up getting to race they they went for a while um reconnecting with with those kids and reaching out to kids that ended up not staying with it this year because of all the restrictions and so forth took, you know, I think it took the joy out of it for some and, and also just fear of COVID itself that, you know, there were many families that just, they weren't comfortable with it. And so I, I think really just communicating again. Um, I, 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 I feel pretty confident that when, school is is back in that the kids that did it before will want to be a part of it again um I think on both sides there might be a few that discovered some other passions during this time you know that may choose to go a different direction but um I I guess it's just going to come down to communication again and patience yeah this may take a little little while I mean I think I think even the stronger programs are feeling the same way. You know, we've had conversations with some of our colleagues and they feel like, you know, they've taken three steps back, but I think everyone's been in a similar situation and, and we'll get to normalcy at some point. Absolutely. Well, I, um, I feel like I could talk to you guys all day about this stuff and, (laughs) And and nitpick and go back and and talk about some of the the guys I raced against, you know, when I was in the district, and you know, dig into workouts and this and that. But um, I, I think this is a a great spot to kind of wrap up. So then, my final question for you guys is, you know, what are you listening to? that is maybe getting you excited, getting you moving, 
um, getting you out that door. As far as coaching? Uh, music or oh. maybe maybe you're listening to a podcast or whatever. Well, this winter, I went nuts on podcasts and I'm not even sure why, but I would just start listening and I just, I, I've always been so interested in, in um, training physiology and all that. And I, I you know, I, I have some background in physiology. I can't say I understand all of it, but so... I I took Jay Johnson's winter webinar, listened to all those coaches, and then just a lot of different podcasts and a lot, Jeff Belay, um, Tony Roller, um, just Scott Christensen, just, you know, a, a lot, a lot of different ones. Alex Lyons was part of the winter webinar. Um and his presentation, I just loved. It was more the psychological piece. Um, and I actually just finished a master's degree in school counseling. And, and I could see he, I mean, it, it's his presentation was like counseling based counseling principles. Oh, wow. It was, it was brilliant. It was moving. Um, and so Robbie hasn't really necessarily been doing that. He'll listen to, he, he, he'll, <laughs> He'll put up with me jabbering about it. Um, um, I would just add to that that Jay has done, a, I think, a phenomenal job of putting together really good presenters um, in recent years of finding. Um, and not only are they successful, but they're interesting to listen to. And and Jay is, you know, he's so dedicated to to, again, being on the the edge of, you know, where do we need to move? You know, what can we do better? And I think, you know, we'd recommend to any coach that's wanting to learn more is to look at attending one of Jay's, you know, clinics in the future, or if it has to be virtual again next year, I think he's a great place to start, certainly, um, for people that want to to expand their knowledge of the sport and, and see what other people are doing. He's a good one to go with, I think. Awesome. I know I saw saw stuff pop into it, but I never joined it this year, but I, I heard amazing things. And then I think we should say something about music because we actually really love music. Um, another love of ours. Neither one of us are musical, but um, we appreciate other people's music. But um, <laughs> So that's something that we definitely look forward when COVID is done, is going back to live music. but. Um, so listening to Americana is probably, I would my, say. My latest favorite artist is Jason Isbell. Uh, oh, yeah. He's yeah. amazing. Kathy's been big into Amos Lee. Lately. Yeah, and Chris Stapleton's new one. Yeah. And um, there's so many. And we still like the, you know, the the oldies but goodies. Oh, yeah. Um, we really got into Fleetwood Mac in the last year again. <laughs> I mean, we yeah. were big Fleetwood Mac fans years ago, but for some reason, you know, over the last six months, we've been listening to Fleetwood Mac a lot again. Oh, that's funny. I had someone else um, on who who mentioned Fleetwood Mac as well. Interesting. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what got us on it again, but yeah. Well, that's fantastic. Um, you know, again, thank you guys so much for your time. Like I said, I mean, I really could delve so much deeper in into so much of this stuff and and i've talked to you guys beforehand you know at some point i'll have you guys on again whether it's individually or together again because i think you guys are just a, a wealth of knowledge so um thank you again is there anything else you'd like to add before i let you guys go i was just gonna say you know thank you seb too and and um even though we are kathy and i are in different places with coaching i do enjoy these conversations um, when I have them again. Um, so thank you. So it's, it's great for me to, to reminisce. And, and he's actually a lot better about remembering old names and stuff. I, I'm actually not good at that at all. So. <laughs> or the, the, the like little... history of the sport more. That, that's more his, but. So thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks so much. It's awesome that you do this. It really is. 
I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at runningnewmexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.